I, you know, I kind of begrudgingly respect just the dedication to not getting better at what you do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> just coast through life. It, it probably shouldn't even happen. Oh, if you got it, you got to flaunt it, acid. Uh, you know what? I got a lot of stuff that I don't want to flaunt, so <laughs> I just keep it to myself. Jeremy is really big into the used mattresses. <laughs> I think that's an excellent he has a used mattress store on the side. <laughs> I'm not going to pull the pants down without the pants down cue. Oh, and we found out that Anthony's friends are all 13-year-old boys. Nice. <laughs> Clay, uh, how you doing? Doing a little more poorly after that terrible, terrible introduction. I was just fine, to be honest with you. <laughs> Hello, Sci-Fi Gangsters. This is a show where we're talking about science fiction, comic books, and video games, but really it's just an excuse for me to catch up with my friends and to meet interesting people. I'm Anthony Nadar, media scholar and person who loves sand, just everything about sand, I like rolling around in the sand and just eating sand. And it's probably a good thing I watched Dune because there's a lot of sand in the, in the, in the movie Dune. That's what we'll be talking about today. We'll talk about the new uh, Dune film directed by Denise blah, 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 blah. Always, I, can't, I always pronounce his name incorrectly, so I just do. All right, so um, really excited about uh, our, our, our panelists here, our, our guests, uh, starting off with uh, Dr. Maxwell Foxman, Assistant Professor of Media Studies and Game Studies at the University of Oregon. Max, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty excited to be here and talking about Dune, everything Dune. All right, well, fantastic. Um, maybe we should kind of do quickly, like, uh, your 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 knowledge of Dune, quick go. Uh, my I'm not necessarily a Dune expert, but I have seen the old Dune and the new Dune in the same day, and then shortly after that, I saw Yanorovsky's Dune, which is about the failed attempt to make Dune in the 1970s. Um, I've read the books, and I'm just generally a fan. I I I, I, I guess I'm giving away my hand there. I, I thought there were some good things about the new movie, so yeah. Well, very good. Excellent. Uh, well, it's great to have you on. Up next, we have Michael. You've been on the show several times. Michael, uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Um, unlike you, Anthony, I hate sand. But actually, that might be another sci-fi movie we will have to talk about later. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited to talk about Dune. Un like, I am not an expert. Max, you say you're not an expert, but you've <laughs> done so much. So I've only seen this movie... Um, I know of the David Lynch version. I am desperate to watch it like oh, pretty so much worth it. <laughs> once I'm not busy. <laughs> um, and I know like of Dune, I have like watched enough summaries of the book to kind of know and grasp what Dune is about. So I'm excited to talk about it. Fantastic. And of course, the producer of the show, Acid, Acid Train, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Just hanging in there, ready to do a long bus trip tomorrow. But, uh going to be okay <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna live all right well fantastic it's definitely <clears throat> good to have you on but once again uh, our our topic for today is dune did you like it did you not like it we'll be talking about that today that's our, our, our dune review right uh but first a couple of things don't forget you can check us out on, on on youtube we're also streaming on twitch as well we're streaming on twitch and youtube we're we're moving up in the world michael before it was just youtube now we're on twitch and youtube so it, it will double our views to two I'm assuming 
so yeah, and then obviously we'll we'll be putting this on to uh, in podcast form. Oh, three people. That's very good. Very good. Three people. Uh, then we'll be putting this on uh, on wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to us in audio form too. So you can listen to us if you're working out. I don't know what you do in your spare time when you listen to pod driving, commuting. I don't know what you do. Uh, you can definitely check us out in podcast form as well. Like and subscribe and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, the way we start this show off, we always start off by sort of catching up with our with our friends. Right. That's what I, that's what I do. I'm catching up with my friends here. So I'll go ahead and begin with what's new. So I recently uh, uh, purchased or I should say my wife purchased an acupuncture pad. I don't know if you're familiar with this. <laughs> so it is essentially a pad that you lay down on top of and it's supposed to emulate the the effects of acupuncture. So you I actually have here's here's the headrest. So for the for the the video listener so this oh is literally just like spiky like it's not spiky enough to like break your skin but spiky enough to be spiky like and you lay down on top of it and it's supposed to once again it's supposed to be sort of like the benefits or the same benefits of acupuncture and i've tried it out a couple of times and it's painful it's a okay. <laughs> it is a painful experience to sit on this thing now apparently what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to sort of just suffer through like the first couple of minutes and then it gets better or your body sort of adapts to it. And it does. I, but I will tell you the two first two minutes are extremely painful. And I'm, I'm like, why am I, it's almost like, why am I torturing myself here? But uh, I've been doing it a couple of times. I have no idea if I'm getting any sort of benefit from this. I have, is it one of those things where I associate any sort of pain with like benefit? Oh, if it's hurt, if it hurts me, then it has to be, you know, then it has to be helping me. So I've been, I've been doing that. Uh, so still experimenting with this acupuncture mat thing. I don't, I haven't, I haven't come with a review yet, but um, very painful, very, very, very painful experience. So what I'm trying to say is everybody should try it. So you, so you <laughs> okay. know what, what it feels like. So that's, that's something that I've been doing recently. We'll go isn't ahead and go the, on. Yeah, go isn't ahead. Isn't the key to acupuncture precision? Like, isn't it that you're supposed to get <laughs> stabbed in very specific places? See, I feel like you're dissecting the usefulness of this uh, <laughs> acupuncture uh, uh, pad. I feel like you're you're pointing out the flaws, and okay. uh, and you might be and you might be 100% correct. Like, this may just be a very stupid thing to do. I have could no also idea. be very helpful. I don't know. It became, it came recommended. It's, it, you know, it's supposed to help you relax your muscles. It's supposed to, I guess, release endorphins because of the pain. I don't know, but I've been trying it because here's the thing, Michael, you know, this, I try to keep my body in peak physical uh, performance, right? I mean, you got to hone this body through, I'm being facetious, of course. But yeah, so, yeah, so that's what I've been doing uh, lately. So we'll go ahead and move on to uh, uh, Max. How you doing? I, I'm doing okay. Uh, I think aside from the joy of, of organizing uh, last weekend when Dune came out, I was able to rent an entire movie theater here in Eugene and myself and about 10 other friends were able to watch our double Dune. So that was my, my most exciting thing from last week was just having a theater to myself and, you know, post COVID times and getting there, getting the popcorn, sitting down, getting that five to six hours of watching straight. Um, that was, that was very, very, uh, long and also a lot of fun, especially 
because you know you got your like first introduction to do and i'm sure we'll talk about this later and then you get like two books after that in the david lynch version so you get this like you know beginning beginning again middle and then um which i thought was a lot of fun but um only other sort of interesting things happening with me um you'd think as a game studies professor i'd have tons of time to play video games and i really 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 don't um but i found myself uh for like the second time ever in my life playing a moba which is just playing pokemon unite um i find it refreshing and adorable to play at night and so i have just been playing that and enjoying actually winning a moba every once in a while which again i have not done in the history of of the genre as far as i know so yeah i'd say those are my two big things sounds sounds fantastic <laughs> it, it, it is funny how we sort of justify playing video games because we're studying video games yeah. and like uh, it's like you know this is for this is for my research i have to play madden right now as my wife yells at me you're playing it again <laughs> look i'm research i'm not even close to researching madden i just enjoy uh, playing madden every once in a while but yeah excellent oh, once again great to have you on michael what's new i will just say real quick anthony that's how i felt about binging like all of squid game yesterday so yep. <laughs> so um not gonna write a paper on it but you know you never know unless you watch it so <laughs> um the funny thing about real quick the thing about squid game is last episode we did a review on squid game so we talked about squid mm -hmm. game uh in depth right and also <laughs> i will be uh i just really i just announced that i will be uh coordinating a week on squid game for in media arrest so, you know, awesome. so, any risk, I'll, um, so if you're interested in writing about Squid Game, you could be part of that uh, that week. But yeah, excellent. But what right, else, I'll, Michael? I might have to uh, see if I can dive into my brain and pull out some Squid Game for you. Um, but yeah, nothing else. Um, this semester is, I, I forget if we can curse or not, but it's kicking my yes. ass, I'll say. <laughs> um, and I, the last time we talked, actually funny enough, I just got my braces, so acid i know we talked about it with your like with your daughter how now mm -hmm. braces are fine my mouth no longer hurts as much so you're good <laughs> that's great and uh last time we talked about hot men which i mean funny enough we will again probably because there is oscar isaac so <laughs> um oh yeah, you went with I, oscar isaac oh okay. oh absolutely I mean, come on 100 well, percent. the yeah. scene where he's sitting there <laughs> like my sister and I just literally turned to each other and we're like, oh, look at this nice plot that's happening here. So, um, yeah, uh, Paul who, really. Uh, but anyway, interesting. I'm actually curious uh, if you guys have like kind of Dune names you think your name would like be in the Dune series. Um, I feel like my name already is kind of a weird Dune-esque with the last name Shanks. <laughs> so like, it's like a Christian name of Michael and then Shanks, which is like a ridiculous last name to have. So I feel like that would be my Dune name, but I'm just curious, We can, you guys can answer this after we're all done talking. So think about it. I'm just curious about if you guys have a Dune name. Cause Duncan Idaho, great. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. Then there's Paul, you know, <laughs> he's doing his so, thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you just flip my name around, if it would be, so Dinar Anthony, I wonder if that would kind of fit as a Dune, a Dune name. A Dune-esque yeah. name. Yeah, I feel like We're, that might be the secret to it. 
is yeah, Foxman Maxwell. That sounds much better. It does than sound anything like that a I could name. come up with. Yeah. yeah, that does sound very dude. Or Stallion <laughs> Dinar. How about that? Yeah, Stallion. My old stallion. my old radio yeah. nickname, Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> old radio name that I gave myself because I thought it was cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, excellent. Uh, Michael, where are you at in your semester? Like, are, where are you in the process? Have you started your start studying for comps? What, where are you at? Um, you know, I'm just vibing at this okay, point. Okay, I, I like it. I'm done with classwork, so I am supposed to be doing comps. Um, but you know, as everyone probably has felt, this pandemic has really sucked. <laughs> um, so yes. like. I am kind of taking it easy right now um, and just trying to like, you know, rest up as much as you can in grad school before I have to either do more or whatever I do. So, yeah. I've always said it and I'll say it again. Studying for comps has was my the most enjoyable part of, of my whole graduate program. Studying for comps was the most enjoyable process. Taking comps was one of the most... <laughs> was one of the most grueling. It was the most grueling four, four days in, in the whole time in, in, in college. Like just, just so grueling. But uh, once again, studying for comps, uh, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. All right, uh, Asa, we'll go ahead and move on to you. What's new? Oh, man. Well, uh, like I said, we got the field trip coming up tomorrow, taking the marching band to... Uh, Carrollton, Georgia for the day and the night and some of the next day, I guess, is when we'll be back. So I'm they not can't expecting march there. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> they can't march it's, there. It's, I mean, honestly, it would probably take just as long. So uh, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't, and it's so funny because, like, tonight they have a football game that they're at, like, probably right now. And they're, oh, wow. you know, and of course, I mean, it's here. So I mean, they didn't have an away game or anything, but I mean, they're they're performing tonight. They probably won't be done till 10, 10.30 tonight before they even get home, and probably after that before they get home. And then tomorrow, they've got to be up at the school, and we're leaving, I think, at 10 a.m. tomorrow. So, I mean, they've got to be up at the school probably around 9-ish just to get ready and loaded and all that good stuff. So, that's, they're crazy. I don't know what's going on. I hope they win. I do. I really do. I, hope I think that high school game is supposed to be a pretty big deal, right? That's why there's so much traffic because the you know the Auburn game, and then you got the Auburn high school game traffic, going on. This oh my gosh, traffic was so stupid today. Traffic It was awful, but we made it through, and I wasn't too late this afternoon, so I wasn't too bad. Um, some other big news um, in the school front. Um, well, actually, two, a couple of things. For I guess the first, the the first minor thing if you want to consider this minor, is the masks are coming off on Monday. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, Interesting. They are, well, they're not technically coming off. They are becoming optional. Ah. So you can still wear them if you want to, but if I had to guess, living where we live, <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of masks will be coming off, um, which is fine. I mean, on the, they've still got to wear them on the bus. Um, which is fine, so because they're in that enclosed, you know, space okay. or whatever. Hmm. Um, so the bus drivers will be the most protected of all the <laughs> of all the uh, uh, educated employees. So that's nice. Um, and then the second, which is the big big news, um, was the executive order that was written uh, back in September. Um, if you do not have your fully vaccinated self by December the 8th or 9th or whenever it was, uh, you don't work for 
us anymore, uh, mm. which is kind of crazy. We're already short-staffed as it is. Um, this is probably going to wipe out about half of what we have right now, um, which is sad. Will it, will, will it or will people just shape up and, and get the vaccine? Uh, I, I don't know if you've all heard of what's happening in New York. They're expecting that firefighters, policemen, uh, a lot of the major service workers, about a fifth of them are not going to be uh uh, they're they're going to be furloughed because they did not mm. sign up for their their vaccines, and I think that's starting this week or next week. So similar timeline. That's why I thought of it, Adam. Yeah, we have. Well, I mean, we've got several people that have had it, including myself. You know, um, and the issue is, is the bus lot in itself. There's between. I'm one of the youngest people there. Um, so you've got kind of the older gap. Um, and then, of course, I mean, some of it you have the political gap. And then the others are just scared of it. You know, I mean, you've got the yeah. fear and stuff going on. I mean, yesterday yesterday I got my flu shot. So I, it was it was funny because there was a couple of guys, some of the old timers, is what I call them, some of the old timers, like, you better not get your flu shot this year because it's got the COVID in it. You know, and I mean, it's just, I mean, they'll, it's just ridiculous. And they'll believe anything that they're told. Um and that's why they won't get it. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I got it. I'm fine. Trust me. It's okay. You are, you're going to be fine. <laughs> I probably would not lead you astray, you know. Um, and then you have those, you know, which that makes up about 30% of where I work. So um, I, I don't know what the numbers are going to look like um, this time next in January, I guess. Um, but I really hope that things work out. And we're, <laughs> and we're not super. I mean, we're already shorthand. I mean, there's a national bus driver shortage. Period. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're having to double up and triple up routes and that kind of stuff. And it's just it's it's hard. It's rough. We've been working our tails off. Um, but yeah, I mean, what can you do? I mean, that's, I mean, I don't I don't know what else to do except pray for these people. So, um, but yeah. So that's what's going on. Let's depress yeah. everyone and uh, talk about way to, Dune, right? Way to bring yeah. us all down, Acid. We want to talk about Dune as we stare at the uh, I did. I did. Oh, I will say this to bring up the mood. Uh, last Sunday, we had our trunk or treat, which you were there, Anthony. Great name. Um, apparently, yeah. Apparently, you didn't uh, seek me out, uh, which was unfortunate. Was it? Were you at Cornerstone? Yeah. Yeah. I had. We had two trunks. I have two. I have no idea why. How I didn't two. see who. And we were right, I have right no there idea. in front. Yeah, but anyway, so my wife had a booth where we did the duck pond, you know, where you put the number on the bottom of the duck and you, you know, flip it over and that's the can- uh, barrel you get to pick your treat from. And then I did the old fishing thing where you, you know, throw over the, the chip clip and you, you know, clip some treat on the end and it gets hurled to the other side. And I was I had a shark costume and it was it was fun. We had a good time. So there you go. That'll lift your spirits a little bit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be. I'm pretty excited about every. So every year, uh, our neighborhood is is pretty big with with trick or treaters. Everyone comes to our mm. neighborhood to trick or treat. Oh, and wow. I'll, and yes, I will be wearing my full Venom cosplay. Oh lord. I will. I will go. be doing that, handing out candy to scare all the little kids. I think you should Please be Venom in a bath towel. Venom in a bath towel. Show that CrossFit bod. <laughs> sometimes you gotta look, Michael. Sometimes you gotta show off the CrossFit bod, right? You know, once again, I want to be. In don't heat. make his head any bigger, Michael. Okay. Physical. <laughs> it's big enough. <laughs> it's just physical. It's getting huge. Well, I'll be 
very appropriate for the Venom mask. <laughs> there true. you go. Just put the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So which mask are you going to go with? I see I'm one in the background. With the normal, so the the half venom yes. mask. I probably, I probably won't go with half venom mask. Okay. I'll probably go with the there that one. See that okay. one right there? Yeah, I'll probably go with that one. Mm. All right. He's actually well, venom by night, and I am venom by, by day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get our topic for today. Uh, so today we're talking about Dune. The way we'll Dune. sort of organize this is we'll each pick one thing that we want to talk about the film, and everyone else can kind of chime in if you want to. Or I will or let y'all do to. this. I will go production mode and let y'all duke it out because I haven't seen it yet. So I'm just curious. I will be I'm, here, I'm though. A little, I'm a little afraid to ask this, but is anyone commenting on anything on, the, on Twitch or on YouTube? Uh, we have we have Jedi Lou on Twitch. Oh, yeah, um, Lewis. Yeah, hello, very Lewis. How you doing? This is Yay Podcast. That's what I got so far from Lou. Fantastic. Thank you, <laughs> yeah. Lewis, for the for the one view. <laughs> it's very very exciting right. stuff. Excellent. <laughs> so, so let's go um, ahead and uh, we'll we'll, we'll uh, take it away. Yeah, we'll talk about Dune here. So, uh, oh, he's quite literally turning off his camera. Okay. <laughs> I've got the logo over my face, so it's not. Uh, oh, okay. So on your yeah. on, on the actual. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So um, I'll go ahead and begin. And the one thing, so I've actually, I've written three papers on Denise Villeneuve uh, <laughs> uh, 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 movies. So I've written two papers on Blade Runner 2049. And I've written one on Arrival. So I'm, I'm actually kind of a big fan of this director, although I can't pronounce his name, apparently. Uh, so, um, and the one thing that's pretty consistent with all his films, and a lot of it has to do with his relationship with Hans Zimmer, or just the fact that Hans Zimmer does everything now, uh, is the soundscape. I really did, uh, I, I really love the soundscape. Now, it's not as impressive as Blade Runner 2049, yeah. although some may say that 20, Blade Runner 2049 is too bombastic and i totally understand that um in fact that there was a review who said who called it a noise a noise scape that's what he called it um and, and sort of the point right it's sort of the point that's supposed to be noisy anyways but um not probably not as as impressive as that but i definitely loved all the the sound i loved the the music i loved the sound effects especially when it has like when you're dealing with uh the, the, with the shielding and the mm. and the, the the various weapons, I love all the sound, the music as well. Although I will say this, I think it's about time that every sound director retire the 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 Arab screaming as sort of like an indicator of, of like uh, of otherness, right? So it's like, oh, it's an alien world, so we'll have Arab screaming in the background, you know. I, it's about time. It's not prominent. It's not like Wonder Woman, right? It's not like that. Uh, but it, but it's not as prominent as that. But I think it's about time we retire that, right? It's it's. It, it, but um, other than that, I definitely enjoyed uh, a lot of it. I, I especially like the sort of the, the uh, what's what's the the way to describe it? The the aborigine like oh, that that whole business that was kind of fun. I love. I liked how. That particular, the warrior race, not the warrior race, but the warriors, how that for whatever reason they talk with like a like super baritone. Like, what's that mm. about? I'm, I'm sort of, Max, I'm sure you know the, the reasoning for that. I don't know, maybe uh, not. I don't I do not. I, 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 do you mean the Fremen or do you mean just soldiers uh, in general? The, the Imperial soldiers. Remember how the, the, the one commander, when he talks, he has like that super 
metallic baritone voice. Like there's something that there, it's definitely augmented. Um, you mean wait, the Imperial soldiers or the Harkonnens? This the is Imperial where soldiers, the Imperial soldiers. Oh yeah, the Saudakar. Um, yes. Like the leader of the like he's talking to that the, that general or leader or whatever, and he yeah. has this like augmented baritone voice for some reason. But uh, I, I say it like that. it did in Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think that like they're just supposed to be some sort of enhanced fighter class, sort yeah. of, uh, more than anything else. But you got me in terms of the baritone. I was thinking about how much I liked like the sounds of the ornithopters and things like that, you know, like yeah. the machines and the wind and like all of these sort of like like for for all the the stereotypes of, of that that sound like there's so much good desert sound um in so many of the scenes like rushing winds and things like going against the winds and the rumbling of like the sandworms and things like that that like was very like impactful for me at least yeah like the like the rumbling sound of the sandworms like the like the the shaking sound was fantastic. I, I really like the if you remember the when they're being uh, sort of attacked, right? And they have the, the the special missile that goes slowly to get through the shield. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. And it kind of is doing this like wham, like that thing. That was that was pretty cool. Um, I liked all the the sort of the slicing and everything. There's just so so much great sound in the film, and it's pretty consistent with. You know, with, with any sort of Hans Zimmer like soundtrack, but also I think I, I like how to do it with the director as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's so, my my number one. So probably what will be my theme for this entire podcast and uh, and show is going to be, but in this other Dune, um, but in the attempt at Yadorovsky's Dune, um, when he was putting together the concept, he actually wanted each planet to have their own soundtrack, and he convinced uh, Yadorovsky convinced Pink Floyd to be the Atreides. And then I think it was this French, like proto punk band. I think they're called like the Magas or something like that. That was going to be the Harkonnens. And he basically just sort of convinced it. So when you're mentioning the, the sound, it's really interesting because every single one of these movies has very different soundscapes and yeah. the imagined soundscape of just, just imagine the movie that you saw, but every time that you saw like the Atreides, you had a Pink Floyd soundtrack in the background. That was, <laughs> that was roughly what that was going to be. That almost kind of like the, how the, almost how the Klingons have their own theme music every time like Worf <laughs> shows up on the screen. <laughs> for exactly. reason. It has like a Klingon sound. Yeah. Um, by the way, if we're talking about soundtracks, one of the my favorite thing about the 1984 film Dune, right? My favorite thing is the end credit song. Oh like yes, the, like the 80s, like um, like, well, it's like Toto, a soap right? opera. Yeah, it is uh, the weirdest thing, but it, like it's also like I I unironically love it in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought I would mention that as well. All right, uh, Max, we'll go ahead and get to your your first thing you want to talk about. Sure. Um, so a lot of my research has to do with virtual reality and like sort of the moment when VR started becoming commercially available starting in 2016 and sort of the disjunctures and continuations of that. Um, so when I was thinking about Dune in my own sort of life and things that I've been following over the last however many years, I just got really 
sort of wrapped up in this idea of the virtual idea of Dune, which many thought couldn't really be made into a, a long epic movie. And then this new Dune, which very much is looking like, especially if it's in multiple parts, which it sounds like it will be, um, going to, to sort of meet that reality. And where there are successes and where there are failures and where things will never live up to fan expectation and where they might not. Um, so I mentioned this already, but I saw Yadorovsky's Dune last night about this kind of like virtual, it's a virtual Dune in that Yadorovsky gets uh, the, uh, the comic artist Mobius to do all of the visuals for this movie that never came into being. He convinces all these people from Salvador Dali to Orson Welles to, you know, anyone uh, to, to Mick Jagger to be in this movie. Um, he gets uh, young folks like Geiger, who would go on to do all the design for Alien. Um, he, he sort of finds Geiger and Geiger does all of the designs for the Harkonnens, for instance. Um, but the movie never comes into being. And, and it struck me that a lot of people see Jodorowsky's or Jodorowsky's Dune as this kind of like thing on a hill that had all these magical elements. And the thing that, that I loved seeing this, this documentary about it was like the colors, like Jodorowsky had this incredible rainbow color palette. So you, you know, just like these, these beautiful ships that looked like fish moving through this space and all this other crazy stuff. And I was watching this after seeing the new movie and thinking to myself, man, you know, the new movie is is so much going for it, but it is very kind of monochromatic. Uh, you you know, know. It's, it's, yeah, it's so funny <laughs> that you brought that up, and I didn't know if this was just me, but I agree with you. It, there, it's very bland yeah. in a lot of ways, and I don't know if it's intentional. Like, I don't know if it's like, you know, like like more practically speaking, if you lived on a desert planet, you probably wouldn't want to have bright colors, right? Because you want to be able to to blend in with like the sand, but you're right. Like it's not very creative. It's very generic. Like it's very like your standard, like they're going to wear like a, a, a bland wetsuit. Right. And they're all kind of wearing the same thing. Like black. Yeah. The, variations. The black still suit basically. Yeah. And like, yeah. so that's the thing is that like this for me is the perfect example of what I was sort of thinking about, which is on the one hand, um, you know, the new Dune comes in this long tradition of we're going to go to another galaxy, you know, let's start with Star Wars maybe and go up to now. And like, like all these desert planets that are very bare and harsh. And like you think about like the Star Wars spaceships and, you know, they're not particularly colorful either because they're either rebels and they've been blown up in, or or they're the Imperial Guard, and you know, or the Empire and they're all gray. And so in some ways it felt a lot like that. But then at the same time, I think you're, you're right. It's all about these kind of practicalities of, of, of being in the desert. And I, I, as I said with the sound, one of the things that I loved about the movie, both visually and sonically, was just the harshness of the desert. Like the scenes, the, the, the night attack scene and these gigantic ships, you know, covered in dust. Um, for me, those were like the, the most memorable parts of the movie. And that has to be monochromatic. Like, what would be the point of having it with lush colors? Um, and so that, that just, you know, it's, and, and same thing with those characters, right? Like the, 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 the Fremen in their suits, they're meant to blend into the desert. That's a big thing of, of what they do. That's how they survive. Um, so it would make no sense if they were, you know, in this lush, colorful world, but that's the difference between a virtual and a reality, I guess, is when you, you know, have to make this movie into this big epic, 
now we're, we have to recognize some of these very simple practicalities. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I also think that like Denis himself has like very monochromatic films. Like if you think yeah. of Prisoner, um, permissionally one I think that would be more colorful is like Blade Runner. Yeah. But even like Arrival, like they're all just very <laughs> like beautifully shot, but very like just not like I, yeah. I'm just not very stand out with color. So. Well, if I recall, Blade Runner also has like a lot of these kind of monochromatic reds and things mm -hmm. like that that sort of cast throughout different scenes. But it's been a while since I saw that Blade Runner. But yeah, I say the more colorful aspect of Blade Runner has more to do with the the city itself and yeah, like the, the projections of the advertisements and that sort of thing. But other than that, you're right. There's there's not a lot of I guess you could say I don't want to say creativity, but there's there's definitely not what you would typically associate with like a science fiction, you know, like the like the contrast and colors and that sort of thing. But yeah, um, yeah. all right, Michael, what, what what do you want to talk about? Oh man, um, I guess when you were talking about sound, it just reminded me of like, <laughs> I mean, the only sound I truly remember is the like, hey, there's brown people here sound you were talking about with like the like <laughs> very much like Arab, like you know, like even like North African sounds yeah. and like howls that happen um yeah. which is like the funny thing about this film where um uh, like i'm very like i love tiktok so like people on tiktok are going wild but they assume zendaya would be in this more than she is uh, and like she's technically yep. only in it for like seven minutes <laughs> like um which actually i'm curious because max it sounds like you also had this like kind of vibe but going into the movie i didn't know it was going to be parts like not I at thought, all yeah like i was <laughs> shocked and it's funny because like my friends when we went to go see like the first hobbit they didn't realize it was a trilogy so when the movie ended like that's how i feel now i understand their feeling yeah. of being like like as soon as my sister and i saw like dune part one we're like wait what like yep. <laughs> so like um which I think but what makes it even good. worse, Michael, what makes it even worse is that they didn't even greenlight the second film. Like, so like with Lord oh, of the Rings, <laughs> like he, with Lord of the Rings, like he, he made all everything. three films at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So they, they released year after year. This one, we have to wait like two or three years before we even see it. Yeah. Well, and that's the funny thing about Zendaya. Like it follows the books very, I, in my opinion, it, it really does follow the books in a lot of ways. And just for the first third to half of that book, you know, Sendai's character really isn't in it all that much beyond being a vision. And there's only so many times you can show a vision of someone like walking in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like there she is again. Yep. Like <laughs> we get it. You're you're standing there and you're looking at Paul in the dream. Yes. Okay. Move on. <laughs> yeah. So that's even wilder, like that they yeah, because I I was talking to my dad today about it, because we both want to watch the David Lynch version, but he um, somewhat doesn't want spoilers, but we were joking and be like, well, if it's not going to come out for another few years, then <laughs> he'll forget it by then. So like, we'll just be able to like watch the new one. But yeah, that's not really the first thing I want to talk about, but we could talk about the whole parts situation because it's a long movie to begin with. Um, and then also yeah. now that whole situation, I didn't even know about the like media industry side where they're like not yep. even greenlit for it because i heard that they were like really like oh this has to do well 
so we can get a part two and I was like wait what <laughs> like how did you already not get that <laughs> yeah I, I don't I don't understand that uh and obviously it complicates things with the fact that they released it on HBO Max so mm-hmm. did that make it even more riskier that they wouldn't greenlight the second one or was it one of those situations where hey look if we have a lot of people watch on HBO Max then we're happy like is it one of those no situation. My, my understanding is that the release in HBO Max was considered uh, problematic uh, by a lot of the filmmakers themselves, uh, and that that is not something that HBO plans on continuing to do. Sort of in the post-pandemic moment, I could be wrong, but like they only did it right for 2021, and I don't think they've announced anything for 2022, and they didn't technically do it for 2020. So I think it was a moment in time and they saw it as a a loss right um yeah i didn't know if they used the sort of like the metrics of how many people are watching as as max as as a way of saying hey look this does have this does have legs so to speak Um, i know it it did well in the box office which is the main reason why it's been green light um which is exciting but also sort of nuts yeah. Yeah. yeah It's, uh, it's definitely good news because I definitely want to see, uh, I would definitely want to see more. All right. And do we know if it's going to be two parts or three parts? I keep getting into conversations with my wife about this. I'm seeing have, online that it could potentially be three parts. Oh, I can right. see it being three parts. I mean, just because it's, I mean, it makes sense to do a trilogy because you're going to make the most money, right? That's the, you know, the, you got a lot of stars like Timothy Chalamet. Right, that yep. hunk. I don't care. I don't care what you say, Michael. He's a hunk. Timothy. 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 So the original something. The original serial of the publication of Dune was done in three books: Dune, which was the Dune novel. Then the second serial was divided into Book Two, Muad'Dib, and Book Three, The Prophet. Um, so. I don't know if that what that speaks to. That could mean even more movies theoretically, based on what it could. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be like a, a Hobbit situation where you just keep making you break up one book into three books or three yeah. movies. We have um, to make one book that's just a glossary. All right, so Michael, uh, did you want to continue with that? Did you or do you want to save it for for your next point? Um, no, we can move on to your next points because my next point is about race so we're gonna get okay yeah we'll say we'll say that yeah by the way michael if you want problematic uh uh then david lynch get ready for the homophobia and david lynch because (laughs) that film is one of the most homophobic films that i've seen (laughs) so get ready for that business all right so good now yeah um all right so good uh let's go ahead and get to my second one and i'll say my second one's gonna be the performances i thought the performances all around were fantastic as someone who has not seen a timothy chalamet film before uh i was impressed i was impressed i I feel like he is a talented uh actor i i definitely could have seen him go like the brooding teen way and he doesn't do that like i feel like he doesn't he he kind of he kind of plays with this character in a way that's not annoying because uh, I wasn't, I was expecting him to be annoying and he wasn't. Uh, so I definitely enjoy, I definitely enjoyed his performance. I thought other performances were great as well. Uh, I really like Jason Momoa's character. I just like Jason Momoa. Once again, Jason Momoa, there's me and Jason Momoa right there. Can you see it? <laughs> I pointed to her. There are me and Jason Momoa. Oh yeah. There you go. Hanging out there. 
uh, once again, good friend of mine, Jason Momoa. And by good friend, I mean, I took a picture with him once. Uh, so I definitely, I, I liked his character and his performance. Uh, I thought, I thought performances all around were, uh, were fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed sort of, this kind of, kind of ties into the soundscape a little bit, but I enjoyed whenever they do use like the persuasive voice, how it, like they changed the tone. That really was really, really cool. I liked the way they did that. And uh, when they first introduced it, I thought it was cool to sort of do the delay, like where you had, he would say something, there would be a delay and you'd hear it. I thought that was fantastic. That was a great choice. Uh, so all around, I would say the performances were fantastic. I was really, really impressed. I didn't feel like there was a bad performance. And as when you compare it to the 1984 um, version, you're kind of like, well, yeah, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what I was saying. And I thought it was interesting. Like, I hadn't seen the 1984 version before seeing the new one. Um, that was the way that we saw Dune that day. It was new one, then 1984 version. Really? That, oh interesting. yeah. We went we went backwards because the idea was we thought that we we needed to sort of give our full attention to the new one. You know, that was going to be the serious one. And then we assumed we all knew that there were certain goofy qualities, at least to the David Lynch um, movie. But um, it was interesting that that both had the voices done very similarly. I um, the the whispers, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. I thought Chalamet was great. I had a slightly different take on him, um, but again, maybe informed by my 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 remembering of the book, I found him sort of nicely petulant. Um, like I thought it was well acted, but you know Paul's early character when he's sort of like figuring out what he's doing and before he sort of goes out with the Fremen is very much like a cloistered slightly petulant figure i mean here he is getting picked up from his home moved to this place that clearly is not you know his, his like anything close to his native land and he's sort of like he, he's sort of annoyed about it but also sort of entitled about it and i love that again comparing it to kyle mclaughlin's version i mean it's it's very much night, night and day um nothing against mclaughlin's hair in the movie but that's a separate issue um and then I, I will say there are certain soft spots I have for the 84 acting, like, you know, Patrick Stewart will always, always oh, be I mean, a wonderful gurney help. <laughs> where's me? Where's so where's me and Patrick Stewart? All right. So there's an autograph. So there's an autograph. Oh, is that? <laughs> That's Patrick Stewart. Autograph picture of Patrick Excellent. Stewart. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, uh, so Patrick Stewart. cast soon, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, so Patrick and, Stewart is my favorite actor of all time. Uh, so I, I, I 100% agree with you on that one. And, and maybe you know this as a Patrick Stewart fan. What I heard, and I could be wrong, is that it was actually the lack of success of Dune that made him available for the next generation. That, that he basically had, you know, he had expected that to be his Star Wars. And then when it didn't happen, yeah. Um, so we, we really have... We have David Lynch to thank for that's for true. The next we generation, definitely do right? have David Lynch. <laughs> we have David Lynch to thank. Yes, yeah, so all, all, all I would say one mine is uh, I I definitely enjoyed the performances all around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Max, we'll go ahead and go to you. What's your second one you want to talk about? Oh, so my second one we sort of touched on a bit. Um, sort of going a little bit on the VR train a tiny bit more. Um, I don't have a full VR slate of things to talk about, but at least one other, which is I was thinking a little bit about altered states, um, which of course is yeah. the, you know, a, a major theme of Dune. Uh, the idea that you, you have spices is from the beginning, Melange from the beginning is supposed to induce a hallucinogenic experience. Um, you don't really get a sense of it in the movie. Uh, not yet. 
Um, you get little bits and pieces of it. But I guess I'm sort of like, I, I, I had such mixed feelings about the altered states of this movie. Um, on the one hand, they, they did feel realistic, you know, this kind of, you know, extend, you know, out, out of body experience, not too hallucinogenic, not too crazy, definitely fulfilling some of the, the, the more prophetic roles of, uh, of Paul. Um, by the same token, it, it slowed down the movie for me a bit. I mean, I, I have to say that the visions of Zendaya, which I know aren't quite the same thing. Dreams aren't the same thing as, as spice induced altered states, but I'm going to lump them together for the sake of this argument. But like, I, I wanted fewer dreams of Zendaya as much as I wanted Zendaya in it. Um, by the third time, I just got so frustrated and there's only so many times you could see someone glittering in the sun. So my one, I, I, the thing I've been telling my, my friends is like, I, there's so much I enjoyed about the movie. It could have been like a half hour shorter. And if I was going to take anything from anywhere, it would be the altered states, which is to say that maybe in the next movie that will be rectified. I mean, that's where it's really going to matter. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found the altered states were at once seemingly realistic. And on the other hand, I don't know how much I needed. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You can sort of <laughs> chime in on what you're what you're saying there. One of the, one of the things that I sort of, as someone who has never read the books before and sort of done a little bit of research on the side, watching YouTube and stuff like that, um, one of the things that, that fascinates me about the the lore of of Dune is the idea of human evolution and sort of mm -hmm. like the rejection of of computers, right? Because that's what kind of the, the the Dune universe is set on this idea of we don't want to, we're not going to use computers anymore. So we need, we need to evolve ourselves. And I really liked, I, I like that aspect of it. So that you, it kind of hints to this in, in various ways, though a couple of hints where the doctor is sort of do, uh, checking someone's vitals by simply by touching them, which is interesting to me because like, okay, is this more of like a sort of like a, like an Eastern medicine thing going on here? Are they alluding to, or is this more of like, a, uh, there's so, some sort of, at the time I thought, well, maybe there was some sort of technology that was just implanted in him, but I'm guessing based on door, uh, uh, Dune uh, canon, like that that's not the case. It's someone who's just evolved to be able to, to check someone's vitals just by touching them. Mm -hmm. And then another one where it sort of alludes to that is when that one character, his eyes roll up, because to, to, he's calculating and he's co yeah. constantly communicating with other people um, with a device in his in his in his throat. So I'm I'm just cu I'm curious what you guys thought about that. Yeah, I mean, like for me, I I think that maybe the theme of of that that dovetails off of what you're describing is the kind of idea of like human intervention versus uh, natural intervention. Like, there's probably some interesting things that we could talk about in terms of kind of the environment and how we should or should not embrace it um because i would say that so many of the examples of what you're describing like that that computer guy the mentots are these kind of like pinnacles of of human computer intervention paul himself is the subject of human intervention in terms of evolution right like he's supposed to be bred to be something um and then it's interesting how there is this kind of like pivot point where where he and others seem to need to have Arrakis's natural environment in order to get something that is beyond that, right? Like it's only when he decides I'm going to be part of Arrakis and inside, you know, let the world and quite literally the atmosphere in the form of spice melange, like come into me, 
that I reach my true, true potential or, or what have you, you know? Um, so there's this, there's this dichotomy because I also think that like, there's obviously critiques on either side of that. Um, but that is an arc of Paul's story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, Max, um, it's like the book, I think I've heard, isn't there like kind of like this allegory of like environmentalism within the book or am I just, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and I think, I think again, it's been a couple of years since I read it, but my, you know, the big thing that's emphasized in the book, which maybe is sort of, I, again, I, I think it's been, it was pretty true to the book, but like the whole idea of like both the Mentots, the Harkonnens, these are all different, not the, these are all examples of like truly kind of computers taken to the point of biology, right? Um, that's why the Mentots are human computers. Baron Harkonnen, he is so large, but he can float because he has these like stabilizers, anti-gravity stabilizers that bring around. That's why he has that scene where he rises up. Um, but like, um, and, and, and I, I always think that's interesting because, you know, the, the big thing is, is Paul himself is really, if I recall, when they, the Bene Gesserit, uh, priests are discussing him, you know, that's, he is supposed to be something that was, that was completely planned, right? Like he was, he was by, he was, he was conceived quite literally conceived through a kind of genetic manipulation. Um, so, you know, also some weird eugenics things going on in there too um but then you know but then he goes from there to like the planet and the planet completely is what he embraces right like sheds that for that that natural environment yeah fantastic excellent all right michael we'll go ahead and get to you what's your second one yeah i mean this kind of piggybacks off of what you're saying with performance um which i also think that everyone in this film did like an amazing job um, and something just really quick to interject about like the voice pitching that I thought was really cool. And I don't know if they made this intentional or not, but because of the Ben Gesserit, like being women, when the mom tells, um, Paul to like heighten his pitch, I thought that might've been because of like this, like kind of like he needed a more like higher pitch, more feminine kind of like voice to like be able to control this voice since these women are the ones who mostly like that's a whole other issue but like you know like I thought it was interesting if that was something that they were trying to do with like like you know gender and like playing with that for like a brief moment in this film um but like the main thing I think I would love to critique is just like the you know just the desert race everything about that like you know obviously we have like this white savior and his mother going in to eventually like free these brown people um and yeah I think it's just like an interesting story because like as someone who really like talks about representation in my like scholarship like this idea of like is all is, do we all need this like representation like do we need like Zendaya in the like you know in the desert like to be like oh look a brown face or like not to say that this role should go to other people but like it's just it's just interesting where we choose to stick people and represent people versus like where we like don't so like you know obviously because I, I mean even things that have been written with like explicitly in books like oh this is like a white person has been like you know race bent with like you know will smith and i am legend being like a big one 
So like, it's just interesting how it's like, oh, we still have like, you know, Timothy Chalamet being skinny and white (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like, you know, but like he is going to be embraced by these brown people, which I think is very funny, especially with Timothy, because there are a lot of like videos on the internet. If you look around of him in high school, (laughs) um, doing things that are definitely like in black culture like he'll be rapping or like doing hip-hop dances Mm. so i think it's very interesting like him as a person playing this role even though i think he did great in it like it's just like that kind of cross of like media representation and like the people who are actually playing these like who are the workers in this is like a really interesting dynamic that who knows maybe I'll write a paper on but <laughs> you know one of my many papers I probably should be writing but yeah I'm just curious about your guys's I like thoughts real quick on this yeah this was something yeah when, when I watched this film I was looking for this because I have written about uh, this particular director's uh, representation of gender in particular, because some some of his representation please say of gender more. Is, <laughs> please say more is, about is, this. <laughs> can, can be pretty problematic, right? I mean, we can kind of get into uh, a, a lot of it, but so I was kind of looking for this, and one thing I noticed is that uh, there's like an attempt, like there's an attempt for because you could very easily have said this is a this is a these are white people and these are these kind of people and these are these kind of people you definitely could have gone that way and it seems like he it seems like he was pretty deliberate about sort of mixing it up is in a way that he did right um so i definitely understand yeah i definitely see what you're what you're talking about here uh, the, the original Dune is way worse in terms of the, the white savior mentality, because from what I understand about the, the book, and I just, I, I haven't read the book, once again, I, I heard this, is that the book is, is sort of like him set, him set up as the savior is, is a deception. Is that correct, Max? Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, so like in, <laughs> the, film, in, the, in the 1984 film, like it that's not it's like he's just a white savior dude but in in the actual books it's a it's a huge deception yeah and and his expectations of himself are are dashed which is an interesting part of books as well right like so it's part of him also believing himself to be a white a white savior um and not and, and his own disappointment uh about that potential so i think that that's that's interesting sorry yeah i don't know if i uh Tread your tread over what you're saying there. Oh, I, 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 I was just going to add, you know, my, my thought is, um, uh, you know, sort of on that note, I had, I had really mixed feelings about exactly what you're describing, but also I think I'm giving a lot of benefit of the doubt of this part too, right? Mm-hmm. Because the first half of the book and the first half of this movie, at least, are, are, are all about colonialism. I mean, it, 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 it's it's colonialism and like, mm-hmm. it, it talk about strange timing. I mean, this was not HBO's plan, but like with the, the exit of Afghanistan and thinking about the generations of colonial, you know, powers that have been, you know, brought into and out of um, Afghanistan because of, you know, so many reasons and the, the sort of the, the culture that's, that's, the cultural differences that exist there. I actually found some of that resonant, but it sort of is resonant based on what happens next, right? Like we've, we've seen one colonial power 
believe another colonial power come in. We've seen people fighting over land while, you know, the people of that land have no agency or seemingly no agency. Now, if something happens that is sort of critical of that system, that would be great. Um, I don't, you know, despite what you're, you're describing, Anthony, in, in the book, I, I still think that, you know, Frank Herbert was writing a long time ago and his understanding of colonial powers might not live up to today's standards. So there's a lot riding on now, what, how do we interpret this, right? Um, so, and I agree with you, the, the end of the, uh, the 84 movie is, is about as savory as a human being can get or uh, as, as, a, as a movie can get. Um, so, you know, it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Okay, I will hold my reservations until I see part two. But I think something that's interesting with this first part and something I've been wanting to talk about, like just in general with my scholarship, but have not had the time yet. But like, I think it's just really interesting as you're talking about Anthony with like the diversity within the movie and who is able to be close to that diversity. Because Oscar Isaac, I think is like this weirdly like interesting case study of him being a person of color, but being so intrinsically linked to whiteness and almost seen as white that like, even like, you know, like, his child should be mixed like like he should be mixed like and yet we have timothy chalamet who is like very white and so it's like Mm. very interesting even like with his presence how it can be so quickly erased his like own like person of color like experience and even that way feels a little bit even with jace momoa which i mean and then i'm trying to think of who else is in that movie that I can think of. But um, even like the advisor he has, um, who I can't remember the actor's name, but he's like a very famous like black, like um, <laughs> like actor. Um, the one who like eyes went back, who yeah. was like talking to him a lot. Um, and so like, you know, again, like who is like what people of color are surrounding these like, you know, colonial powers is also like very interesting when thinking about it. Um, and so I really hope <laughs> Denis like maybe get somebody to help him if like the second part to really like process that. I also yeah. don't have high hopes because I mean, I can't even think of any people of color in a previous film of his, like really. Um, so it'll be interesting. And even I think I have a paper on Zendaya and her also like kind of, um, you know, intersection of where she fits in with like her being light skin and like her closeness to whiteness um, as well. So I think it'll be really interesting to see this project hopefully move forward, maybe for one more, maybe two, we'll see what happens. (laughs) But like, you know, where this goes and like the, like the issues of race around it will be interesting to see. So I'm excited, hesitant, but excited, (laughs) so. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think there is, there's, I understand your concern about where this could potentially go, right? You can, white man. No, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I know. Uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm woke. I know what I'm talking about, right? All right, we're very good. All right, so let's go ahead and get to our our, our, our next one. Uh, Acid, I don't know if you're still there, but uh, th- it, are we getting any sort of comments I or am, I am or still anything? here, yes. Um, okay. No. 
<laughs> the last look, the last comment I got uh, was actually at the beginning of the show. I don't want to interrupt or anything, but it, uh, we did have an opinion. Most boring movie since COVID. Uh, right. Two two and a half hours of exposition with zero pacing. Wow, interesting. A hard wow. take on that. Who who was that that said that? Uh, some goner is the name. So we oh, got so yeah. Uh, also go. said yes. I didn't care for the Arabic either. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. There you have it. I also get, we'll get to my my last one here. And the one thing that I definitely enjoyed about this film is I like the weaponry. The weaponry. I thought that was it was 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 kind of interesting, particularly with the shield. Uh, like the so I wasn't aware of this. So when, when I when I did research, I found out that why the, why swords are so prominent. Right, and that and it has everything to do with the shielding, right? So the, sh- the mm-hmm. shields uh, reflect any sort of like laser weapon. So the only way to get through the shield is you have to do you have to slice someone in a particular way. So if you slice it slowly, it goes through the shield. So any sort of like forceful attack on the shield, it gets deflected. But if you are able to like slowly get in there, that's why they have the screw, the screw bullets, and that sort of thing, and like the sort of a slicing that will get through the shield. So when I knew that, I went back and watched the movie again. And I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." I, 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 I under, I get sort of like the cool justification of why, like, we want to see some cool sword fights, but you have to justify why there are sword fights, and the way you do that is saying, "Well, this, well, there's a particular a technology that you can't, you know, you can't fire laser weapons, and you have to have these other kind of ways of of getting to the shield." So. I thought it was, I, I really enjoyed that. I kind of already mentioned the, the sort of like the bombs that had to screw through the shield to get to the down there. I thought that was really cool. Uh, sort of like the, all the sword fights and the slicing and everything I thought was, was also very cool as well. So I'll say the weaponry, the weaponry was, would, would be my number one. And, and no feelings about it having a little bit of a video gamey feel where it's like when you finally kill them, it's red. Um, that was the oh, yeah. only. The only thing that came to my mind outside of it, but then again, I saw the David Lynch one where, again, if you want some comparisons between things, those wonderful reflective blocks. Now, that's yeah. that's the pinnacle of high technology. Um, <laughs> no, that that was uh, I, I thought the shields were very cool and uh, uh, sort of like building off of what you're saying. I loved and, and you know, this this also gets to, to what Asa was saying, you know, um, the pacing of the movie has its its issues, but also like they were did a really good job in, in world building um, in the sense that I love the ornithopters. I thought they were the coolest thing. I don't know why. I don't I can't quite explain it, but just the ornithopters and the flapping wings and how it sounded um, for me, that was just just lovely and like the way they moved the diving you know when they kept turning off the ornithopters and they would dive and then come back up that's that's where my like i don't know maybe that's just you know someone who grew up on star wars i just like seeing different ships but you know for me that that was just lovely um so uh, you know in the analogy uh you you to to swords is me to ornithopters <laughs> yeah uh yeah i definitely so there's a lot of cool technology in the film including sort of like the the recycled uh, suits where you could yeah. sort of drink your own sweat and your own i'm assuming poop uh well, yeah. didn't they say that outright i think they did I, I don't know if they said that i've heard all kinds of jokes yeah. online 
about <laughs> about recycling. I mean, they, they have that one scene where everyone's spitting into that recycling thing, right? They they kind of have that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's like, but yeah, it's sort of like, but the, the suits is cool. The whole the little device that sort of like controls the sand, which is was pretty cool as well. Just a lot a lot of cool technology uh, in this particular uh, film. All right, Max, we'll get to your last one. What do you have? Um, I have so many things. Now that we started talking, I can just keep going. Um, I think that the last thing that I want to talk about is just thinking about uh, 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 resources. I, I thought that that was a really, you know, interesting. In the 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 issue of resources in the movie is is you know going with the still suits is super super consistent, but also um, I don't know thinking about climate change issues and things like that. I don't know it, it it seemed to hit home a little bit more than maybe when I was a kid and first picked up the book. Um, just thinking about a planet where they're so dependent on resource uh, on on whatever is. Uh, whatever is available, and obviously the visual metaphor of the mouse, which was you know we haven't talked about yet, but that mouse was a kind of nice little playful feature throughout the uh, the movie. So I thought it did a pretty good job. I, I've already said you know uh, of the things that I really liked in the movie were sort of the ships and the environment and and the world that was created. I thought that the characters didn't really develop over time, which would probably be my critique. Well acted, but you don't get a lot of change uh, from right. point one to point A to point B, maybe point C um, to everything we've been saying. But, you know, it's it's something to think about in a, in a time where we are all having to think more and more about our own resources in the world. This is a good, good movie to have that as a metaphor, I guess, um, or to have it as an important metaphor. Yeah, I would agree with you, Max, because as someone who lives in uh, Southern California, so yeah. basically I'm living in Dune, um, <laughs> like we're in our like upteen drought of, you know, <laughs> whenever. So like, I think definitely that uh, concept of like resources and like this like protection of them um, is like really resonant for today. So I'm... I'm not mad they're making these movies. I'm glad they are, but also, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they go. Cause I agree with your criticisms. Like, yeah. I mean, Timothy just maybe broods in sand. That's like his character arc. Like he goes from water to sand. So um, yeah, we'll see where everyone goes. And I guess Zendaya goes from like being a dream to reality. So, I mean, that's her character arc for this first movie. So yeah, we'll see where, where they end up. Um, but yeah, uh, the more uh, the oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go, I was just gonna say, say I agree with you. So the, the this film is very limited in terms of the part oneness. Like it's yeah. it's it, there's yeah. not a lot that you can do in developing the characters because we haven't gotten to any sort of change in the characters yet, right? Because we're still sort of in the first part one of the film, so it's kind of like it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to think of it as its own unique movie with from beginning middle to end because it's not designed to be that way which is funny considering that the second film wasn't greenlighted yet it's so fascinating um that they would take such a big risk on that well two things as someone who moved from new york to oregon which is now starting to experience droughts it does moving to the west coast will certainly uh i i've never been so excited to see rains come until i moved here let's just put it that 
that way from our from our summer droughts. Um, so I completely agree with you there that we're we're maybe we'll all end up being Timothy Chalamet brooding in sand, um, and that's really what this is all about. Um, to your point, Anthony, like I was just thinking, you know, we might all get let down because one of the things that I liked about Dune as a kid when I read it, and that might be a problem with it in general, is like this is a story of epic proportions where very much like the character aspect, I think sometimes gets undercut, especially in the early books by just like the, this gigantic, massive notion that like there's an entire world and that world is the subject of, of these global powers, right? Like that's why I do think it's a story of colonialism and that like the people are just sort of taken out of it instead of just resources and land and all that sort of stuff. And um, so I don't, you know, I don't remember the characters like, popping for me uh by the end so that'll be that'll be a challenge in part two i think is to try to make these characters more human <laughs> or more atreidian er, er, uh, and more fremeny um i'm trying to trying to get to what they are on their planets but i, I can't quite get it <laughs> yeah and so, sort of add to it like that add to the idea how sort of it says something about our current condition, the idea that this planet is being sort of mined for its goods to the detriment to the people who live there, right? Yep. So they, they talk about how like the place could have been a paradise if you just would have stopped with the, with the, the spice is so valuable that it needs to be the way it is. And it's sort of affecting the, the indigenous population. Well, I mean, come on, that's, that's, it's almost... I mean, it's kind of on the nose there, a little too on the nose there, right? Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, fantastic. So uh, we're at, Michael, we're, we're, we're to your last one. What do you got for us? Um, my last one is kind of a two-parter. Um, somewhat jokingly, just Oscar Isaac's body. Uh, great, you know, such a dilf. Um, <laughs> what, the best thing about that movie. Um, and then second two, the sandworms I thought were awesome. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> but the only thing is like, I remember questioning when I like left the theater, if like worms eat like, like what they eat. Cause it, it seems like always like sandworms, like these big worms are like carnivorous and they need like, you know, meat, but I'm like, do worms actually eat meat? What are their whole, what's their whole deal? But um, yeah, it's just, I just love a good worm though. Like a good monster that like lurks down below very jaws like i'm a fan of so i want to see more sandworms that's pretty much what i want so i was not disappointed this time but uh yeah more worms and i mean i can't get more oscar isaac but um you know r.i.p leto uh but yeah <laughs> like the worms were great i think i also agree with you guys where like the technology was just like really cool um like just everything about this film was just like cool to watch. Like it felt like some, I remember seeing someone on TikTok saying like watching Dune made them feel like they should know French. Like it was a very <laughs> like, you know, very like fun, but somewhat pretentious, but like beautiful, like sci-fi film that like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like when the last like big sci-fi happened besides like, I mean, Star Wars, but even those were uh, like yeah. yeah I'm trying to think of when we had like a last like big huge sci-fi which I'm a fan of so I mean this is like great and I'm excited for more um 
and I'll probably just go watch the David Lynch film right after we're done talking. <laughs> um, but also, I was going to yeah. ask Max if, like, you could send us where you saw the documentary that you're talking about. I would love to watch that too. So, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you can only buy it from a variety of streaming services. So either Google Play or Amazon or Vudu or what have you. Um, but I will, I will happily send over the name if nothing else because it it is also done by you know it was completely financed by french people so it also has its own version of that french pretension that you're mentioning <laughs> those darn french canadians like yeah, <laughs> it, it does make you wonder because uh, to, to add to your point here michael you know you the the worms are attracted to movement so in order to be attracted to movement there has to be some sort of benefit to attacking whatever is making sound therefore like they're 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 predators like they're they 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 need to eat like you know living beings to survive because why would you go after something if it's just making noise right you you would want to mm -hmm. eat it right then but then i'm thinking to myself uh the the the, the mining vehicle that can't be good for the worm right that's just got to be <laughs> like that's good that can't be constant headache it, yeah. it doesn't just poop it out like what like what's like it can't can it can't digest that right i don't know yeah and I, I mean i'm so curious about these sandworms like eating habits and like their life cycles i don't know if the book goes into this if it does i might have to read the book but like you know do they eat other sandworms like what is like sustaining them on this planet besides like yeah. the fremen and you know whoever's colonizing them at the time and like, you know, maybe those little rats that were like traveling around, like, you know, like how were they? Cause they're huge. Like they're like meters long, uh, whatever that is in feet. <laughs> um, Cause we're also not French Canadian, yes. um, but like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like they're just like, I don't know. They're just so fat. I'm, I think maybe cause it's like uh, October. So like horror, like this mm. is like when I get the most wanting to watch horror. So like, a good monster or creature feature has been like on my mind. So I think these sandworms, I'm just fascinated by how they function. Like as like these kind of like, like I'm trying to think of how we can put them. Cause if like the people who come are co the colonizers, like what would be, I guess that'd be more of like the nature that you have to like succumb to and just live with because eventually they ride them, which is like cool. So it's like, how does that come to be? Like, you know, I'm so excited for more of these sandworms that hopefully, because I know Paul eventually has to ride one. Like that's how he like becomes part of like this like tribe is like, you, that's like your final step into manhood is like you ride one of these things. So yes. I might just have to read Dune now. Thanks, Max. Like you've convinced me. I might just have to do it. Like, so you might have. You might have two or three years to, to read it. <laughs> you have plenty of time. Yeah. yeah. Forever. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's funny, like afterwards I was, or even during the movie, I was trying to remember all the worms. So like I had a very similar feeling. I was like, oh yeah, there were worms in Beetlejuice. Um, yeah. There's that moment in Futurama where Al Gore says, I have ridden the mighty moonworm, which I never thought of, but is probably a reference to Dune. Uh, <laughs> because that is the same thing. First Emperor of the Moon, Al Gore. Um, so I started getting all these like sort of worm moments in my head, but I don't know. I mean, like I, I it's weird. Like, you know, on the one hand, I think worms are, are, are kind of the apex predator of Arrakis. And then on the other hand, um, without sort of like spoiling too much, it's, it's, 
you know, everything about that planet works in symbiosis. And that's one of the, again, one of the beautiful metaphors of that is that, again, rather than having a technology imposed upon, upon it, Arrakis does all these things, you know, nature has this symbiotic relationship with the people and with the creatures and things like that. So I think, you know, um, you definitely get into how they sustain themselves in one form okay. or another, if you dive into the books. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, something to look forward to. You know, yeah. A little bit of a little bit of worm knowledge yeah um, a little bit of it i'm not i'm not saying you get everything but you get a sense of that symbiosis and nothing else. <laughs> all right well that concludes our discussion on dune um max did you want to add anything do we leave anything else oh i don't think so um yeah there's just there's a lot of dunes so we didn't none of us watched the sci-fi miniseries from 2000 and we can always no. <laughs> dive into that um nice nice three or three and a half four hour miniseries so it's out there just another dune uh, i think uh leto is played by hurt i don't know that that i'll, I'll leave it there rather than going on uh, another rant well, well, yeah. fantastic excellent so uh uh michael if you're if you just get ready for problematic representation <laughs> Part uh, two. In, in, in the 1984 <laughs> Dune film, just get ready for that. Cause that's fan. I remember I, I saw that when I was a kid. So there's a particular scene that I'm referencing where the, what the, what the Baron does to somebody. And when I watched it as a kid, I, um, I thought to myself, what's happening. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I've actually, I've, I've looked into this and apparently, so 1984 is at the, it's sort of like the apex of sort of like the AIDS epidemic as well. So there's a lot of sort of like that social anxiety going on as well. So uh -oh. some people, some people have made comments about how like that is sort of plays into uh, the representation of sexuality, particularly when it comes to the Baron and how he treats his subjects. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's... Uh... I, I completely agree with you about uh, it being one of the, it, 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 it makes you cringe in so many ways. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, don't threaten me with a good critical time. I'll, I'm yeah. excited now. You don't guys make me more want to watch it. Get I mean, ready. it wouldn't be a David Lynch film if it weren't somewhat problematic. So, I mean, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> uh, before we end the show, Acid, do we have any comments or are we going to be disappointed by asking that? Uh, you might be a little disappointed by asking that. <laughs> <laughs> I can make up some comments. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I can't. <laughs> I got, I got. Nothing. Well, uh, that concludes our show. Uh, thank you everyone for watching. Of course, once again, you can check us out on YouTube and Twitch, where we stream, and you can watch the videos later. And then you can just check check us out in podcast form as well on, on wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, uh, but. Uh, for uh, Dr. Maxwell Foxman, for Michael, and for our producer, Acid Train, I'm Anthony Denar. Goodbye, everybody.